Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right. Can I have a conversation here? Pick up on a conversation we sort of have been having on and off throughout the week. And uh, not about a particular incident, but uh, I guess the incident sort of pushed the conversation back, talking about what happened with Christian Freeland and Grand Prairie. But we've talked about it before many, many, many times. And that is the level of discourse in our country, in our province, when it comes to politics right now. I mean, you can, we can talk about causes and effects and all the rest as long as we want, but I don't think anybody can deny we're at a place right now where we're so divided and so at each other's throats that the anger, the anger is, uh, I don't know if it's higher than it's ever been before, certainly that I can remember I don't know how widespread it is, but that's the conversation we're going to have. We're going to talk with Dr. Jared Wesley, who is a lead researcher in common ground politics and a political science professor at the University of Alberta. Uh, Dr. Wesley, thanks for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, good morning. You know, it's a conversation that I think is important to have. I mean, I don't think there's a problem with anger and frustration in politics. I mean, that's as democratic as anything else. You're going to have winners, you're going to have losers, but it's what we do with that anger and that frustration and the way we act out on it. That's, I mean, the anger's always been there and that's part of the process, right? I mean, anger might be a strong term. I think there's always been conflict in politics. I mean, elections are designed so that there are clear choices and options on the ballot and people get a a choice between those options and oftentimes our elections are about you know parties or candidates contrasting themselves to each other and oftentimes that that takes on a really negative connotation but but you're right um, in recent years both here in Canada and south of the border we started to see the rhetoric um, and the behavior take some worrying turns away from what we would call you know normal democratic discourse yeah. into some pretty dangerous and violent um violent approaches right yeah dr wesley is it i mean the the one of the differences to me is okay we, we debating policy um positions all those sorts of things that's 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 great that's the way that it's supposed to work but it seems like we've taken a step beyond that and now that's not enough now it is literally attack and destroy the opponent their character their everything just rip them to pieces it's not about political differences now we're making enemies out of our political opponents well, that's right, and, and you basically paraphrased what um, what Michael Ignatieff wrote uh, almost a decade ago when he was at Harvard University before he was, or just after, I guess, he, he, he left uh, Canadian politics as liberal leader, and he wrote about some worrying signs in the United States where he said uh, people have stopped treating uh, their opponents as adversaries to be beat at the ballot box or to be, you know, debated, um, you know, through through reason and logic and started treating them as enemies to be vanquished, right? Mm-hmm. And we start to see, you know, terminology and rhetoric like, uh, like, you know, we've all, war rooms have always been around, and the ground war and the air war have always been around in terms of in terms of elections. But we started seeing people take nooses to rallies. We've started, you know, hearing people talk about democratically elected governments as being traitorous, or you know, or or the prime minister or premier being a dictator, which we all know is not not the case. But that that inflamed rhetoric, um, you know, skims along the surface for a lot of us to kind of roll our, roll our eyes. But for some people, it's actually a, a big trigger, and it validates 
what they see as being an unfair system, and it provides them with a target for political violence and harassment. I, I think that's such an important point, Doctor. You know, it, it starts with villainizing your opponent, and then it spreads to the system itself, and you start to see the erosion of democracy itself, some of the norms, some of the institutions. I mean, just take a look at what's going on. We're going we're gonna to fire the AHS board. We're going to fire the College of Physicians and Surgeons. We're going to fire the Bank of Canada governor. We're going it, to... It, it's just some of the norms, some of the standards, some of the guardrails that are put in to make a democratic system function no longer apply. We're, we're willing to run roughshod over all of that just for political gain. Well, and the most important democratic norm, I think, for generations here in Canada, we kind of taken for granted is what's known as loser's consent, right? Right. So if if you lose an election, um, in previous decades, we would have expected you not only to recognize that the election, you lost the election, but also to wish the, the victor good luck. I remember not too long ago, we'd hear, you know, people who, who would lose the premiership or the prime ministership saying, we must now rally behind yes. yep. this prime minister because they're, they're here to, to, on behalf of our country. But now we're seeing, you know, people questioning whether mail-in ballots uh, were counted or not counted in the last federal election. And I think a, what people miss, too, is all of this discussion around, you know, um, a sovereignty act that would allow governments, one government to choose which of the other government's laws it's going to listen to or not listen to. That's also part of this decline in losers' consent. It's the idea that you're not going to recognize your opponents as legitimate whatsoever. Uh, and you're, 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 you're just, you know, again, you're contributing to this decline in democratic discourse. The question I always ask when we have this discussion on the show is, where does it start? Is it because politicians stoke the anger and use it? I mean, it's a great motivator in, in your base. It's fantastic. You can make a lot of headway with that anger. So does it start with them stoking it and building on it? Or is it because the populace is so angry and so frustrated that politicians are merely tapping into that and reflecting the tone of the country? Well, I think it's a vicious cycle to, to a certain extent. I mean, there's always been people that are alienated in our political system. Um, and sometimes those folks, you know, amongst themselves develop some resentment to the, the ruling class or the elites in some way. But it's the activation of those feelings and directing it towards, you know, democratic institutions and yeah. directing it towards specific individuals in a way that incites um, hatred in, in some cases and violence in others that, that makes that rage style of politics, you know, as you said, attractive for, for developing small corners of support to win a, a party nomination or to win a party leadership. Um, but it makes it even more difficult for those folks to, to, to deal with that rage once they attain office, right? And we've seen that happen in the United States with, with Donald Trump. He, he wasn't able to control, to control That's those right. folks. Um, and the worry is that we, if we have some anti-establishment, uh, populist figures here in Alberta and federally that gain control of those governments, will they be able to 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 tame the dragon once they're in there? And the jury's out on that. So where do we go? I mean, that, I guess that's the question. You can, I mean, like you say, you can look at the United States and you can, whether you agree with whatever side of the aisle or not, you can you cannot say that the democracy is in good shape. It, it, it's been absolutely beaten down. Um, and I don't think anybody wants to see that happen in Canada. So how do we end this? Where does it start? Is it the voters? Is is it the politicians? Is it the media? I mean, who needs to take responsibility? All of the above? I think it's all of the above, but a lot of there are a lot more citizens than there are people yeah, in yeah. the media and politicians. Let's talk to them for just a second. I mean, the first thing to recognize is that 
that most Albertans and most Canadians view themselves as being centrist, right? And most of them, from from our research, don't want to think about politics and don't want to have to think about politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's my my biggest worry is that those those centrists are now disengaging from politics because they think it's too dirty. They're not going to run for office. They're not going to support a candidate. They're not going to speak out when they see this kind of what we call tribalistic behavior. And that's my second piece of advice for citizens is to recognize when politicians are engaging in this type of um, enemy us versus them rhetoric using absolutist language like uh, never never vote conservative or all conservatives are this way or all progressives are that way or using loaded terminology like communists or fascists. Um, certainly there are tendencies out there that political scientists will label communist or fascist, but they're pretty few and far between. What we need to do as citizens, because politicians are rational actors, Shay, you've talked about Absolutely. this quite a bit on your show, right? They respond to, to what will what will win them elections. Most of them do that way. Uh, most of them behave that way. So as citizens, until we start calling this out, um, and, and actually, as we've seen in, in Alberta recently, calling up MLAs and saying, I don't like that behavior. I don't like this new policy. I want you to switch it, which has actually been quite effective until, until citizens start reacting that way and providing disincentives for this kind of tribalistic behavior. We're going to be locked in this cycle for a while. Yeah. And we all suffer for that. I think, uh, Dr. Wesley, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having this important conversation. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, sir. Dr. Jared Wesley, the lead researcher, Common Ground Politics, political science professor at University of Alberta.